Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, it's that time of year, the annual nag. And for a lot of kids, gaming consoles are at the top of that list. But this year, parents, you've got a ready-made excuse. There's a big problem with computer chips right now. There's just not enough of them to go around. Massive worldwide chip shortage. Earnings being cut by up to $2 billion. We don't have these chips. We're in trouble. One of the many strange ripple effects of the coronavirus pandemic is a global shortage of these chips. Computer chips or semiconductors are in almost any device that uses electricity, from new cars and smartphones to electric toothbrushes. Right now, the world is experiencing a massive shortage of computer chips. No big deal, you might think. I have a computer. Joke's on you. Not so. In 2021, computer chips are in everything. Computers, of course, but also cars, smartphones, gaming consoles and TVs and even washing machines. Now, unless you're trying to buy a new car or a PS5 or you're trying to purchase a thousand laptops, you probably haven't noticed, for a bunch of reasons we'll get into, the chip shortage hasn't really flowed through to consumer pricing yet. But what caused this shortage? Why is it still going on nearly two years after the beginning of the pandemic? When will I be able to buy a PlayStation 5? And how is it that a little New Zealand company has been able to turn these lemons into lemonade? Peter Griffin is a long-serving business and technology journalist. Peter, what is a computer chip? Well, they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, but it really boils down to to two differences between the types of computer chips that go into our electronics. You have on one hand what are called logic chips, computer processing units and graphics processing units. And these are the chips that are sort of like the, the brain of our electronic devices from smartphones to laptops, desktop computers, drones, even cars. There are a lot of computer chips that are processing information in cars to run GPS systems, global positioning, even what you're playing on your stereo. There's a computer chip that's running all of that and syncing it up with your Spotify account and all that sort of thing. The other types of chips are memory chips. So they're for storing information that the uh, processor then uses to deliver up that information on a screen to us or a smart speaker, for instance. So that's the big division. And and the real shortage is very much around these logic chips, which are very important. You cannot run a lot of our devices without logic chips. And that's where the real crunch has been during this pandemic is trying to get enough supply for those logic chips to supply all the increased demand for not only personal devices, but cars as well we've you know got a big rollout of electric vehicles all over the world Mm. some of those electric vehicles actually have hundreds of logic chips in them it's not just one chip running the whole thing the batteries under the car will have several sensors that's chips involved there the motor will have their own computer chips then everything the electronics and the dashboard has a whole set of chips as well then for ones that have autonomous features like radar and and um sensors to detect movement around the car that's a whole set of chips too so some of these can have hundreds of chips which has really put a load on the very small number of manufacturers of chips around the world what are these chips 
made out of? Well, silicon is the, you know, they're, they're these basically these big circular silicon wafers that they, they call them. And if you go to a fabrication plant, um, these are scrupulously clean facilities. You go through several doors to get into them. Everyone is basically wearing, it's almost like full PPE. They're wearing these biohazard suits to stop any dust getting into them because they're working at such fine margins with these wafers. So you're about to enter some of the most advanced manufacturing that is done in any industry, any place on earth, right? And uh, the facility here, it's almost $10 billion of investment. But ultimately, they're, they're based on silicon, and there's a huge amount of R&D that goes into designing um, these computer chips. It's very competitive, and it's very, very expensive. And there's been this sort of increasingly this division in the chip world between the designers and the manufacturers. You have a player like Intel, a big American giant that came out of Silicon Valley in the 1960s. It does both. It designs and it manufactures chips. But you're also seeing a whole load of players that are emerging and they design chips. That's their specialty. They come up with the most competitive, most innovative design, and then they outsource production of those chips to these big, what they call foundries um, around the world. And the biggest one is in Taiwan. Mm. Uh, there's a, a manufacturer there, Taiwan Semiconductor, um, which is responsible for over half the chips that are manufactured in the world. And because the you know the economics of that are such that you need to invest tens of billions of dollars into these foundries, it's emerged that only about you know five or six major players in the world have the deep pockets to fund this stuff. And therefore, we're reliant on you know, five or six players to supply 75% of the world's chips. Why do we have a computer chip shortage right now at this point in time? Well, obviously, the, the, the pandemic has changed the game in, in chip making because of the, the surge in demand for, for electronics. As we all moved to working from home, a lot of people put in orders for new devices. So government departments here in New Zealand, some of them were ordering five or 6,000 laptops in one batch. Mm. You know, that's unprecedented that, um, you know, last year, April, May, June, all these orders were going in all around the world for new devices. In the entertainment space as well, the demand for consoles went through the roof. This is game consoles like the Xbox and the PlayStation. Mm. Smartphones, everyone decided I'm spending so much more time on my device. You know, I need this. At the same time, we saw mainly because governments were really pushing this, they wanted car manufacturers to ramp up their production of electric vehicles. So Tesla was an early adopter there and has done incredibly well. But all the traditional car manufacturers in Asia, Europe, and the US have been ramping up their production of electric vehicles, which use more computer chips. So there was a lot of demand there. But what happened at the start of the pandemic was the the automobile makers around the world, they thought that demand was going to fall off a cliff, that people weren't going to be able to get to a showroom, so they weren't going to be buying vehicles. It is expected that around a half a trillion dollars in automobiles will not be manufactured between and the end of next year. That dip was very brief, and people went back to buying cars. In the meantime, those car makers had cancelled a lot of their orders with the big chip makers. So those that capacity was then filled by all the people who wanted smartphones and drones and laptops made. And the car makers 
and can, you know, found and continue to find that they have a shortage of chips. They went back to the semiconductor manufacturers and said, actually, can we have those orders back? And actually said, sorry, you'll have to get in the queue behind everyone who's making a smartphone or a new webcam because everyone's zooming at home and so on and so on. So it became this delay that's working its way through the system. And that has had a, a big impact on the car industry in the last year. So this year they will produce 7.7 million fewer vehicles globally than they did last year. And that's because they've had to lower their production. And a lot of it is due to this chip shortage. If you look at the UK, which still makes a lot of vehicles, this year their production of vehicles will be the lowest it's been since 1956. And part of that is a big uh, factory shut down there. But um, most of it is attributable to them not being able to get the computer chips they need to make these vehicles. In some cases, a $50 component is slowing down the production of a 30,000 euro vehicle. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh, but it's kind of funny. Okay, that's very interesting. So the pandemic hits, car manufacturers feel like their demand is going to drop off a cliff. They want to control their costs because the future is uncertain. And so they cancel a bunch of orders for the chips that they need to manufacture their cars. The expected drop-off doesn't happen, so there's a lag in production, is there? And, and that's essentially the situation? Yeah, like these big five or six chip foundries around the world are literally running at over 100% of capacity. Normally, they'll have a little bit of downtime. They've got no downtime. They're just continuously in operation trying to, to meet demand. But there are a couple of structural problems that were sorting, starting to exist before the pandemic. The industry had basically underinvested in chip making capacity because it traditionally it has been a very lumpy industry mm-hmm. and um, there are booms and bust cycles in electronics. You know, around 2007 when the iPhone came out, in the wake of that, there was a surge in mobile chip production for all the Me Too sort of uh, smartphones that came out in, in the wake of the iPhone. So that was a big surge in the industry. But um, they weren't really anticipating in the run-up to the pandemic a huge um, surge in in demand. Obviously, 5G, these new mobile networks were coming in. They thought there would be a little bit of a a boost Mm. around chips for for those sorts of devices. So they were aware of that, but nothing like what came. So they'd underinvested, and they put a lot of their investment into these so-called 300-millimeter wafer-size chips that they, they make the chips from these wafers rather than the, the the older 200 mil wafers and it turned out that a lot of these electronics manufacturers were putting in orders for the 200 millimeter wafer chips those are the ones that they wanted to put into you know reasonably conventional things like smartphones and, and laptops mm-hmm. these are not the most advanced chips but they're the chips that were in most demand over the last 18 months and the industry hadn't configured its supply chain and its manufacturing processes for the surge in demand for the existing technology. So it's been caught out by that as well. And it takes a long time to design and build these facilities. And you've got, in the case of China and the US, you've got this rivalry between them over geopolitics and and trade. And they don't necessarily want to share technology with each other to the extent that they used to. There's actually a blacklist in both countries where they've put companies on that blacklist in the other country that they're not allowed to trade with Mm. Huawei being 
the prime example of that. The U.S. government has long viewed the Chinese company as an espionage threat and has sought to keep Huawei from playing a major role on the U.S. telecommunications infrastructure market. This new move is likely to prevent it from supplying the equipment being used to set up cutting-edge 5G networks. It's blacklisted from, from working with U.S. companies. So that has exacerbated the problem. China is a massive electronics supplier. It's ramping up its own chip manufacturing in a big way. But the U.S. isn't buying lots of chips from China because of this mandate that came from Donald Trump originally. We are the piggy bank that everybody likes to take advantage of or take from, and uh, we can't let that happen anymore. But has been carried on by Joe Biden because of the the, the, the rising tensions between those two countries. Half a trillion dollars between the South Koreans, the Taiwanese and the Americans being promised to build new chip factories. But that won't happen even if they start today, which they have until around 2025. Sticking with geopolitics, you mentioned earlier that Taiwan is one of the main producers, well, the, the biggest producer of computer chips. And there's been a lot of global tension around. Taiwan is now regarded as the heart of superpower rivalry between China and the United States. Beijing has carried out naval drills, aerial incursions, warnings about reunification by force. The United States says it will defend Taiwan if necessary. Taiwan also locked down really hard and has been very successful in, in its COVID response, but presumably there were consequences to that uh, in terms of, of production of computer chips and, and so on? Yeah, well, I think what everyone's realised from the pandemic is the fragility of this globalised supply chain uh, for electronics and for, for medicines, for all sorts of things. But, you know, when you've got this rising tension between Taiwan and China. China has said it wants Taiwan back in the fold to be part of of China uh, at some point. The US is a big ally of of Taiwan. You've got escalation of of forces in the South China Sea and and, and around Taiwan. And a lot of people are saying, well, if, if, if the Chinese were to do something extreme like blockade Taiwan, and you had a standoff between the navies there, between the US and China. Well, it could be that the ships don't leave Taiwan. They don't load up in Taipei and take the chips out of the country. And that would have devastating consequences for the electronics industry worldwide because of the dominance you know, of one company in particular that's making so many chips for the world. So I think a lot of, from a national security point of view, a lot of politicians have woken up to the fact that this is a huge weakness. You know, America used to make a lot of chips itself. It still designs a lot of chips. And by value, it sells the most valuable chips in its electronics. But it has gradually outsourced a lot of its fabrication of those chips to places like Taiwan and South Korea and, and Japan. And that's a huge vulnerability. So now the U.S. is is basically committing billions of dollars to try and kickstart chip making back in the US. And the likes of the Taiwanese are also investing in chip plants in America as well, knowing that if it really gets bad between China and the US, they need to be able to continue production somewhere offshore mm -hmm. away from Taiwan. It's not all sort of doom and gloom here, though. From adversity comes opportunity. And um, I heard on the business news last week that there is a New Zealand company that has done pretty well 
out of this. Another company to report this morning was chip manufacturer Raycon. It's had a fourfold rise in profit as it benefits from surging global demand amid chip shortages. The company produces chips for 5G telecommunications networks. Its first year, uh, first half profit was just under $19 million, compares with last year's $4.5 million. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, look, because it's so expensive, we don't really have any chip makers in, in New Zealand, but we do have a few sort of small companies in the scheme of things, small and global terms, that fill some of these really important niches. And one of them is a Auckland-based company called Raycon. Mm. It makes crystal oscillators. These sort of create the electrical signal uh, in a device and keep it at a constant frequency. They're really important, these crystal oscillators, for a lot of electronic devices, particularly when you're trying to keep a very accurate um, track of time. So Raycon does a lot of work with satellite makers, 5G networks. It does things with military applications around the world, radio transmitters and receivers, all that sort of stuff. So it's quite a niche business, but it's really important stuff. And the surge in electronics, uh, the demand for that, and you know the, the other one that is really booming at the moment is space-related technology. So that's really playing into the hands of um, Raycon in a big way. And what it has found is where um, before it maybe had it was the second tier supplier to a lot of these uh, manufacturers that are making satellites and the like and 5G equipment. Now those players are so worried about losing access to supply, they're really upping their business with Raycon. So they've now got two big suppliers that they're giving equal business to. Mm. And that's what has seen Raycon's revenue jump, I think, 43%. In the, in the six months to September 30, it's done really well. It's still a small business in the scheme of things, but in that particular niche, it is one of the best companies in the world at what it does. And now a lot of people are knocking on its door saying, we're worried about this supply chain issue. We don't want to have to delay the launch of our 5G networks or our satellites. Let's give more business to Raycon. So they're making hay while the sun shines. How long it will last is to be seen because we do have a massive amount of capacity coming online all over the world when it comes to the chips themselves, these logic chips. Mm. Um, Most of the big countries are now investing tens of billions of dollars um, to sort this out. It just takes a long time to build these massive chip factories. So it's going to be a couple of years before um, there's a significant increase in capacity for the world. So Raycon really, this is really a story of sort of right time, right place, right industry, a triumph of circumstance more than anything else. Yeah, I think that that surge in in revenue is very much, you know, the sorts of things that they're involved in, 5G networks, precision positioning for autonomous vehicles, that's really big at the moment, cloud computing, so synchronizing cloud computing servers. Their, their crystal oscillators are useful for that. So all the categories that they play in are surging at the moment. Um, and this is a real sort of turnaround for Raycon because it's been through some pretty hard times. Mm. Um, you know, maybe 10 years ago or so, it was very much focused on consumer devices and it still plays in, in that area to an extent. 
But where the real high value stuff is, is in these specialized applications like the, the mobile networks, the, the server synchronization, the autonomous vehicles and the satellites. We talk about there being a, a chip shortage, but like in terms of the practical effect on people who are looking to buy stuff, what sorts of products are we talking about? And has there been a real constraint in the supply of certain consumer products? Yeah, and in, in, in certain categories like... Um, PlayStation 5, that's a particular one that um, Japan uh, had a few things that hit it um, this year. They they had a big, big fire in one of their major chip factories. Japanese auto chip maker Renesis Electronics has turned to TSMC for help after a fire broke out on its 12-inch wafer production line last month. Experts say it may be half a year before production at Renesis fully recovers. So the likes of Sony and that have had trouble getting enough chips for the PlayStation. Cars are, are probably the most dramatic one where because the big car makers have pull back their the number of cars they're producing this year they're not necessarily more expensive buying a new car but it's just harder to get them you have to put an, an order in well in advance and that's led to a sort of a boom in the secondhand car market people are going well i don't want to wait six months just to get uh, the car that i want so uh, people are looking for for secondhand cars when people are putting in orders for a lot of computers in one go like big corporations and government departments, they're finding that there are big lead times being required now on those sorts of orders. So if you if you want 10,000 laptops or something like that, that is not an easy thing to accommodate at the moment. Fundamentally, though, we're, we're not seeing a big spike in, in prices when it comes to the chips themselves. Where that is coming in often is real constraint on freight and, and transports and all of those things as a result of the lingering impacts of the pandemic. So there are a lot of New Zealand importers who are really complaining about how much it costs to actually transport items to New Zealand at the moment. We're not seeing when it comes to electronics that being passed on to a massive degree. We're not seeing like a 20% rise in the cost of a laptop. But what we are seeing is big manufacturers like Apple, for instance, saying it's you know iPhone next year, it will likely sell a lot less iPhones than it had anticipated because it just won't be able to get the chips and other components at the right price to um, to make it a you know a competitive sale. Mm-hmm. So um, the, we will see next year until they can get more capacity going, which will probably be more into twenty twenty three. We will see it just a little bit harder to order your device of choice. What it is going to mean, I think, in the next couple of years for the innovation in in the tech world. They're still designing away as they ever did before in places like Silicon Valley and South Korea, but they may have to slow down the pace at which they are releasing the latest gadgets, the best new innovations, because they can't guarantee that they're going to have enough chips to go into those devices. Mm. So I think we'll see a slight slowdown in the pace and rate of, of new devices coming to market. So I think that's the way it will hit consumers the most less impressive devices for the next couple of years. But then we will see capacity come online around the world from about 2023, where all of these uh, new factories open up. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. 
You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Peter Griffin. Matewa.